This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. All right, good morning. It's good to see you out today on a Sunday morning, not just because it's Super Bowl Sunday, but because it's Sunday. We get to worship God, and many of you will watch the game today, and some of you will be for the Patriots, some for the Falcons, some for the Cowboys. That's a faith statement, okay? I'm trying to help you guys out. And some of us will just be there for the food. So whatever you choose, but we welcome you to the house of God. Every Sunday we believe there's a Super Bowl around here for the kingdom of God. So if you need a Bible, raise your hands and get it up real quick. And then I will tell you I am going through multitudes of scripture today. Masses. So get ready to turn your pages or write and take a bunch of notes. We will begin in Psalm 23, then we'll go to 1 Samuel 16. All right, as you are turning to Psalm 23... You know, when you look at King David's life, that he had known virtually every extremity in life. The good, the bad, the ugly. But yet, even through every obstacle in his life, whether it was the valley of the shadow of death, he understood the faithfulness of God and the consistency of God. So we begin in Psalm 23. Now remember, it's six verses, and so we've gone through the first four verses, and that took four weeks so we're on verse 5 today, and it says, Yea, he, prepared, they, he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies. He anoints my head with oil, and his cup, or my cup, runneth over. So when he says he prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies, one of the greatest illustrations I saw that there's a battlefield, and here's both sides of the battlefield, and right in the midst of the battlefield is this massive table. And I'm sitting at this massive table that God has created for me. And though the enemies are on both sides, and it just shows me there that he went through difficult times in life. Sometimes it wasn't easy, but yet even in that setting, God had encircled him with so many angels that God would protect him. And in different Psalms, actually in Psalm 91, it says, A thousand will fall at my side and ten thousand at my right hand, but it shall not come near you. And he said, No, no plague. No evil will befall me, for God has given his his angels charge over me to keep me in all my ways. And so no matter where you're at in life, remember, God's got angels for you. One of my favorite passages in Psalm 3 says this, Lord, how have they who've troubled me? Many are they that rise up against me. Many are they that say of the Lord, there's no help for him in God. But thou, O Lord, are a shield for me. You're the glory and you're the lifter. Of my head. And so even with King David's life. Through all the extremities that he experienced. He knew God was with him. God was his glory. And the lifter of his head. And I believe that's the same for every one of us in here today. And then he said. He anoints my head with oil. Do you know the word anointing there means. To separate. To consecrate. For me for the things of the kingdom of God. To favor me for the kingdom of God. And so when you see the anointing of God on his life, that anointing wasn't for thrills and and chills and goosebumps. The anointing of God comes upon us to fulfill his purpose. It's not about my will being done. It's for his will to be done. And he said, he anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. Now, what does the oil symbolize? The oil was always significant of the Holy Spirit. Always. 
And so King David right here, even in this difficult time in his life, he said he anoints my head with oil or with the Holy Spirit. Now, just briefly, let me give you a little bit of analogies here that I believe will help you this morning. You know, I use my garage door on a daily basis. It's an everyday thing, and it may go up multiple times. And periodically, my garage door, the hinges and the rollers will really begin to squeak. And when they begin to squeak, they're saying, I'm dry. I need some lubrication. I need some oil. And so when I put some type of lubrication or oil on there, it makes them go a lot smoother and they quit squeaking. I believe even in our lives that there's times spiritually we become very dry. We become where we squeak in everyday life. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. And as oil is to the engine of a car, so is the Holy Spirit to men use lives. You try to drive a car without oil, it's not going to go very good. And if you try to not change the oil in your car for long periods of time, you ultimately hurt the engine. Well, that's the same with us. Without the Holy Spirit in my life, this is what takes place. And so King David said, he anoints my head with oil. And because he anointed my head with oil, my cup runs over. My life is so good, my cup runs over. And so when my cup runs over, everybody that I associate with in life, they get a touch of God because the goodness of God upon me. And if you'll note, he said, I didn't say I was a half full, three-quarters full. He said, my cup runs over. It's full of the things of God. So when we look at all this, many times in our lives as Christians, people will say stuff like this. Well, all I need is the Word of God. Well, I do believe you need the Word of God. But if all you ever get is the Word of God, you dry up. And then the other side of that ditch, many people will say, well, I don't need the Word, I have the Holy Spirit. But if all I ever get is the Holy Spirit, then I blow up. But when you combine the Word of God and the Spirit of God, you grow up. 2 Corinthians 3, 6, the Apostle Paul said this. He said, the letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. So what happens with every one of us on a daily basis? I need the dose of the Word of God, but I also need the Holy Spirit. Now, to show you where this looks at, go with me to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And this is just going to show you not only the significance of the anointing, but also the oil that took place in King David's life. 1 Samuel 16, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? Now, understand this, that Saul was the king. Samuel was the prophet. And the Lord said to him, Quit mourning over him because I've rejected him. And one of the reasons God is saying this is because Saul was the people's choice. Now he goes on to say at the last part of verse 2, Fill your horn with oil. Go, I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I have provided myself a king among his sons. And so now God's telling Samuel, you go with your oil, and the next king will be my choice, not the people's choice. So he goes to Jesse the Bethlehemite's house, and he goes in there, and obviously in their customs, they usually thought the oldest son would be the next king. So the oldest son's name was Eliab, and Eliab comes out and they think, that's our boy, that's our man. But look in verse 7, same chapter. 
But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused or rejected him. For the Lord does not see man as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Oftentimes that's how we judge people, only by their outward appearance. And many times you have people that have great charisma, but they have no character. And so God says right here, I look at the heart. I'm looking for someone after my heart. So what begins to happen is all, all of Jesse's sons begin to pray themselves before the prophet Samuel. And they would come in and Samuel would say, that's not him. That's not him. Verse number 10. Thus Jesse made seven of his sons pass before Samuel. And Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen these. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all the young men here? Then he said, there remains yet the youngest. There he is keeping the sheep. Not a real popular job. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. Now the reason he says this to him, remember back in verse 1, the Lord said to Samuel, you go to Jesse's house. Because the next king is going to come from one of his sons. So Samuel's gone through the first seven and he realizes it's not any of this. So he said, you bring that last one here. We got to see if that's him. Verse number 11. And Samuel said to Jesse, are all they here? And he said, yeah, and they're keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him for we will not sit down until he comes. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise. Anoint him, for this is the one. Now can you imagine all the older brothers look? The little redhead with freckles on his face. He's the one? Are you kidding me? But he said right there, anoint him. And so when the Lord said to Samuel, anoint him, he said, set him apart. Consecrate him that my purpose will be done here on earth through him. And many of us in this room, we have the thought, well, God only anoints kings. No. God will anoint you in any venue of your life. And some may say, well, I'm just a mom. I'm just a housewife. No. You got anointing. You got a call. You got a prayer. Well, I'm just a school teacher. No. I'm just this. No. God wants to anoint us to fulfill his purpose in our life right here on earth. So he anoints David. As a 17-year-old, verse 13, then Samuel took the horn of oil and he anointed him in the midst of his brothers. Now watch what happens. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to Ramah. When he was anointed with the, the oil, what happened? The Spirit of God came upon him. The significance of his life. So at the end of David's life in Psalm 23, he said, He anoints my head with oil and my cup runs over. So in reading this passage, I ask myself the question. If King David needed the anointing of God and the infilling of the Holy Spirit in his life, what's different for me and you? Now turn into the New Testament to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter number 10. And I'm going to just read one little passage in here. 
Because I want you to see the significance of the anointing and the Holy Spirit on someone else's life. Acts 10 verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit. And when Jesus got anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit, he got power. And with that power, he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, this is where we make a mistake. Oftentimes when we read about Jesus, we look at Jesus when he came to earth as the Son of God, but literally he was the Son of Man. He came to earth as a man. So the same way that King David needed the anointing and the Holy Spirit on his life to fulfill God's purpose while he was here, our Lord and Savior Jesus needed it too. He needed the Holy Spirit to come upon him. And if you'll note there, when the Holy Spirit came upon him, he received power to fulfill God's will. Now what we're going to do for several minutes here, we're going to look at, at different authors within the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and we're ultimately going to get back to Acts. So go with me to Matthew chapter 3. And what's interesting about this is each author of each one of these books, they write similar things about Jesus and about the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. I indeed baptize you with water. Now this is John the Baptist. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. What would that be? Repentance is when I come before the Lord and I confess my sins. So literally John the Baptist was telling me and you what it means to get born again. And then he says this. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, fire has two great qualities. Number one, fire is a purifier, that it causes the good to rise to the top. But fire is also a destroyer. It burns up the junk on the inside of me that doesn't need to be there. And it's interesting here that he says people that born again, he wants to fill us with the Holy Spirit so God can fulfill his purpose on earth right here through me and you. Mark chapter 1. Verse number 4. John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Then all the land of Judah and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and with a leather belt. That's come back into fashion, ladies. Many of you need to get you some camel hair and a leather belt, okay? It's really stylish again. Just kidding. And then he goes on to say, and he ate locusts and wild honey. After service, we're all going to Market Street for locusts and wild honey. Who's in? (laughs) They say locusts have great protein. Keep reading. And he preached, saying, There comes one after me who is mightier than I, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to stoop down and loose. I will baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting what is said right here. John said, I'll baptize you with water, but he, 
the Lord Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Significant right here that I see this. Go with me to the book of Luke, chapter number 3. Luke 3, verse 16. John answered, saying to all, I indeed baptize you with water, but one mightier than I is coming, whose sandal strap I'm not worthy to loose. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The message says he will ignite the kingdom life. A fire, the Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. Go to the book of John, chapter 1. I told you I was going to hit you with a bunch today. John chapter 1, verse number 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. This is he whom I said, After me comes a man who's preferred before me, for he was before me. I did not know him, but that he should be revealed to Israel. Therefore, I came baptizing with water. John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove and remaining upon him. I did not know him, but he sent me to baptize with water, said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Holy Spirit. And I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. And you know what John the Baptist just right there says? He's the Messiah. John declared Jesus is the Messiah because he said, who I baptize in the Jordan River and the Holy Spirit remains on him, This will be the Messiah. And guess what? The Holy Spirit remained on Jesus. So what you begin to see with Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, every one of them wrote about the same Holy Spirit. Every one of them wrote about water baptism, the significance of it. Now, what did Jesus have to say about the Holy Spirit? We'll go back to the book of Acts, chapter number 1. And as you go to Acts 1, in this time span in Jesus' life, he, he died on the cross, but he rose from the grave. From the time that Jesus rose from the grave until he ascended in heaven was 40 days. Right here in this passage we're going to read, he's at his last days here on earth. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. Watch verse 4, Acts 1 verse 4. And being assembled together with them, the disciples, he commanded them. I really marked that word, he commanded. Jesus commanded. He didn't suggest. He didn't recommend. He said, you can take it or you can leave it. Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. Now, Jesus didn't say go. He said wait. Wait for the promise of the Father. Now, the promise of the Father... In your own reading, it's found in John 14, 16. But here in verse 5, he he exclaims what that promise was. Look what he says, verse 5. For John truly baptized you with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the focus here is on the mission of the believers. And he's telling them, he said, listen guys, you got to get this. You got to get the infilling of the Holy Spirit. The significance, verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. What did he say one of the characteristics of the Holy Spirit would be? He would re- we would receive power. Power to what? 
power. And when this Holy Spirit has come by, you shall be witnesses to me or for me. So he's telling his disciples to be the witnesses that I called you to be. You're going to have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. See, it's one thing to witness and talk and tell people about the Lord Jesus. But I also need to have a lifestyle that backs it up. So literally put this way, I need to put a little walkie-walkie with my talkie-talkie. And what that means is i got to have the Holy Spirit that He begins to help me on the inside. He begins to empower me. He begins to change me from the inside out. And it's interesting here that these were Jesus' last words here on earth. He said, listen, fellas, to fulfill everything I've asked you to do and to be, you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit. I don't recommend it. I command it. We see King David. We see our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And now, these were Jesus' last words. He ascends into heaven. Years, years ago, when I began to hear about the Holy Spirit, you know, there's a lot of confusion about, well, when people started talking about the Holy Spirit, they said, oh, don't go charismatic on me. Don't go holy roller on me. And again, when I begin to read those things, I would think, why, why is there all this negativity about the Holy Spirit? When Jesus said, just ask to be filled with Him. Let Him come on the inside of you. Now, I've said this for years. The three greatest decisions I ever made in my life was, number one, I received Jesus. Number two, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. And number three, I married Shelley. In that order. But I saw the significance in my own life that when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, I began to see Him work in me and change me from the inside out. And that's how He still wants to do us today. Now, go with me to the back of the New Testament. 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. That's way back in the back. If you've gone to Revelation, you've gone a little too far. 1 John 5. And I came across this one day, and it really, really helped me. 1 John 5, just start with me in verse 7. For there are three that bear witness in heaven. What are the three that bear witness in heaven? The Father, the Word. What was the Word? The Word was Jesus. Uh, John 1, 14, the Word became flesh. And the Holy Spirit. Now, as Christians, we don't have a problem with that. The three that bear witness, we believe in God the Father, Yahweh. We believe in the Lord Jesus, and we believe in the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Actually, in Matthew 28, when Jesus said baptize them, he said, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so, we here as earthlings, we say, yeah, yeah. Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, we believe in that. But watch the wording in verse number 8. And there are three that bear witness... On earth, the spirit, the water, and the blood, which signifies salvation. So you can look really, he's talking about three different types of baptism. That we're baptized in the Lord Jesus when we get born again. And then we're told, you need to be water baptized. And so we get baptized in water. But many times right here on earth, even though it's the three that bear witness here on earth, we leave out the Holy Spirit. 
So something incredibly is wrong. And that something that is wrong is the someone that's being left out called the Holy Spirit that I'll never fulfill the calls, the purposes that God has me has for me without the Holy Spirit. But yet again, many times we don't want to talk about this. We don't want to discuss this. Here's just a thought for you. The only way I can go to heaven is to receive Jesus as Lord of my life. The Lord Jesus said that in John 3 to Nicodemus. Remember, he said, you must be born again. So I receive Jesus as Lord of my life. Do I have to be baptized in water to go to heaven? A lot of people would say, yeah, but I'm going to rock your theology here a little bit today. Remember when Jesus was on the cross and he was about to die, and on each hand was a criminal, and the one said to him, he said, Lord, don't forget me. Don't forget me today. And the Lord Jesus said to him, he said, Dude, before you can come to heaven, you've got to get off the cross and get water baptized. No. All Jesus said to him was, Today you'll be with me in paradise. So is there significance to water baptism? Yeah. It's, a, it's an inward, or it's an outward action with an inward blessing. That it signifies I've died to myself. And we don't have a problem with that. When John the Baptist said, you've got to be water baptized, man, we jump on it. But when we talk about and hear Jesus saying he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and fire, many times we back off. When I study about the Holy Spirit in my Bible, he's a perfect gentleman. He's the teacher. Actually, Romans 8, 14 says those who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Romans 8, 16 says that the Spirit of God would bear witness with my spirit. And so the Lord Jesus has told us to fulfill this thing here on earth. You need the Holy Spirit. And again, the best thing I can tell you, read the book of Acts. Just see over and over how God took a bunch of fishermen and he made them soul winners and he made them champions for his cause and every one of them were filled with the Spirit of God. One last passage. The book of Luke, chapter 24. Luke, chapter 24. Now, here in Luke 24, these were Jesus' last words here on earth. Verse 47. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. Do you know what the Lord said to us? He said, you've got to preach salvation. You, you preach regardless of what their sins are, they can be forgiven and saved. Man, that's good news. I love that thought. And then he said in verse 48, and you are witnesses of these things. Remember, he said that you'll receive power to be witnesses. Then in verse 49, he said, behold, I send the promise of my father upon you. Tarry or wait in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. Until you are clothed with power from on high. So the Lord Jesus specifically said, you got to get born again. And then after you get born again, to be the witness that I've called, you need to be endued with power from on high. you got to get the Holy Spirit. So here's some thoughts for you. How do you receive forgiveness? 
you ask for it. And once I ask for it, then Jesus comes to my door and says, here's your gift of forgiveness. No. I ask him to forgive me, and by faith, I believe it, just because the Bible, the Word of God says in 1 John 1, 9, that if you'll ask for forgiveness, he'll forgive you. How do you get born again? You ask Jesus to come into your heart. And then Jesus comes down from heaven and gives you a a business card and says, I'm Jesus, welcome to the family. No. We ask Jesus into our heart and we receive him by faith. How do you receive the Holy Spirit? You ask him to fill you with the Holy Spirit. You ask him to come on the inside of me. And by faith I receive that. And so you begin to see over and over what it means to receive. So now that's the big question. How do we receive? I have that asked all the time. How do you receive? And so after church here, Joel takes me to lunch for locusts and honey. And we're sitting there eating. And you know what he says to me? He said, Pastor, I'm going to buy you lunch today. And I said, no, no, you don't have to do that. I have money. And he said, no, I really want to. I want to bless you. I said, no, it's okay. It's okay. And he insists. And finally, I say, okay. So you know how I receive? I surrender my will. And by surrendering my will, I say, okay, go ahead. That's the same way that we receive from the kingdom of God. I surrender my will and I say, okay. Now, here's the big question today. Are you better at giving than receiving? How many of you are better at giving than receiving? Thank you. You know why you're better at giving than receiving? Because when you give, you're still in charge. I determine who I'm going to give to, when I'm going to give, where I'm going to give, and how. But when I receive, in order for me to receive, I have to surrender my will. And so it's the same thing with the kingdom of God. To receive in the kingdom, i got to surrender my will and say, Okay, Father God, I need you. i got to have you. I welcome you. And that's the same thing with the Holy Spirit. Again, many times in our life, we're dry spiritually. Years ago, this was 16 years ago when I moved to Lubbock, I needed a lawnmower. So I went to Walmart. Lord bless me. I tell you, that new app at Walmart where you can buy and don't even have to go in, that is the will of God. I'm telling you right there. That is the ticket. So anyhow, I go to Walmart and I buy this lawnmower and it's the cheapest one they got. It's $99. And I'm telling you, I have pushed that thing over tree roots. I've hit the curb. I mean, you ought to see it. It looks bad. And every year, Shelly says, you need a new lawnmower. Well, it defies everything within me. Why would I get a new one when that one still runs? But the problem with that one is when I try to start it, usually, man, you got to ice my arm down later because I've pulled on it so much. But usually when it starts, the neighbors think I'm spraying for mosquitoes because, man, the smoke's... It's a cloud and everything. So it sputters. And it looks bad. But what I found out that as long as I change the oil in it, it keeps going. And it keeps going. 
And see, that's the same with me and you. Many of you today, you're smoking. You're, you're sputtering. You're dry. You need some new spark plugs. And you know what's been missing? The Holy Spirit. So many times in our life, we try to figure out everything on our own powers and our own abilities. When the Lord said, I want to lead you and I want to guide you by your spirit. But yet, you won't receive, you won't surrender, you won't say, okay. And I think a lot of the issue is because of teaching on this, that there hasn't been any. Or we get to the other side and people think, oh no, if I get filled with the Holy Spirit, I'm going to do something crazy. I'm going to start speaking in tongues. The Holy Spirit doesn't do crazy things. People do crazy things. And I will tell you this. I've been filled with the Holy Spirit for over 30 years of my life. Now, this is a loaded question. You guys don't think I'm crazy, do you? (laughs) I love the things of God. And I will tell you this. I welcome the Holy Spirit in my life daily. Every day. Just as my garage door is used every day. How many of you in here say, man, I'm in over my head as a daddy. I got this new baby and didn't come with an owner's manual. I'm in over my head as a wife. I didn't know I was marrying whatever his name is. And then we just move through life and we stay frustrated. But the Lord's saying, let me fill you with my spirit. He'll help you. He'll lead you and guide you. And again, you know what? I'm not trying to be a salesperson for the Holy Spirit. Jesus was. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.